Take a Bible, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have this day to come together around your word. We thank you, Father God, for the first service and for the blessing of your word. As we looked at uh, the life of Jacob, we do pray that, Lord, you bless now as we enter this second service, that you give wisdom and understanding to each of us as we look into your word. We pray that, Father, you would guide our time. May uh, this day we receive from you that which you have for us. May our hearts be blessed and refreshed, Father God, by your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you give me wisdom to have clarity of thought and simplicity of speech and be able to present your word in a way that we're honouring unto you. And God, our time we pray together in this place. May you be exalted, may you be praised. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, we're commanded, be careful or be anxious for nothing. Yet, you know, in our day and age, the age in which we live, where the signs of the times all seem to point to a soon return of the Lord, where economic, social, moral, and racial problems are all around us, where there is the chaos in our world because of the COVID-19 pandemic and where we all have our personal struggles and personal problems, it's easy for you and I to feel anxious. It's easy for you and I to feel some worry. It's easy for you and I to get a little bit careful, as it says there in verse 6, be careful for nothing. But you know, Philippians 4, 7 tells us that the peace of God shall keep our hearts and minds. It says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God wants you and I to experience peace, not anxiety. He wants to experience joy, not worry. In fact, Paul had already said in verse 4, Rejoice the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. God's intention for you and I as believers is not to live in a state of anxiety, a state of worry, but to live in a state of rejoicing, a state of peace, even amongst the tribulations of the world. Someone has said the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And by faith, God's peace, by faith, God's peace that passes all understanding will keep our hearts from anxiety. Now, if anyone had an excuse for feeling somewhat anxious, if anyone had an excuse for worrying, it was the Apostle Paul. Even as he writes the church here at Philippi, his beloved Christians at Philippi were disagreeing with one another. He has to address Yodas and Syntyche there in verse 2. And he's not there to help the church at Philippi. He was also facing division among the Roman believers there at Rome. Added to that, added to these burdens was the possibility, the very real possibility of his own death. And Paul had every reason, had a good excuse, if you like, to worry. But he didn't. Instead, he takes time to explain to us 
the secret of victory over anxiety and over worry. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he gives to us, first of all, the prerequisites for peace. And then secondly, he gives to us the provision of peace. And today and next Sunday, I want us to consider these two verses and these two truths, the prerequisite for peace and the provision of peace. I'm going to study or consider these two aspects of keeping our hearts in peace. And firstly, Paul gives to us two prerequisites for peace. That's what we want to look at today, the two prerequisites for peace. First of all, he tells us don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. He says in verse 6, be careful for nothing. You know, we often tend to expect the worst out of life. Worry is something that comes naturally to most of us, if not all of us, from time to time. In fact, some would say that we have just cause to worry. Just look around you. Look around the world. Look at the state of our world in which we find ourselves. And we'll find it easy to be driven to a state of anxiety, to a state of worry. Or look at the internet and catch up on the latest news about the coronavirus. Or catch up on the latest news on world affairs. And it's easy to find ourselves being anxious. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom in our world today. There's a lot of political drama that's unfolding around us. Our world is in a mess. When you add to this the mix, to this mix, the many worries that you and I personally have to face day by day, week in, week out, it just amplifies the emotional impact. And it's taken its toll on many lives. You know, the truth is worry pulls us apart. The truth is about worry, worry is worthless. It cannot change the past, it cannot control the future. It only messes up right now. Worry does not achieve anything but messing up our life right now. The Greek word for careful here, where it says in verse 6, be careful for nothing, the Greek word careful means to be pulled in different directions. So when you and I are careful, when you and I are anxious about things, worrying about things, we've been pulled apart in two different directions. Our hopes pull us in one direction, and our fears pull us in the opposite direction, and we're literally being pulled apart by those conflicting emotions. It's interesting that the old English word, worry, that we use today, the old English word from which we get our word worry means to strangle. And if you've ever been truly worried or anxious, you know how it does strangle you. You know, worry has a definite physical consequences upon you and I as human beings. Worry brings headaches, it brings neck pains, it brings ulcers, it even brings back pain. Worry affects our thinking, it affects our digestion, it affects even our coordination. That's why God wants us not to worry. In fact, you know, the truth is that worry is the greatest thief of joy. We rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Paul's in a prison at this time. He's in a Roman prison, 
And he calls upon the church of Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Because he understands that what we need to do is we need to, uh, to stop worrying and start just trusting the Lord. Be careful of nothing is a command. This phrase, be careful of nothing is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command of God. God says to you and I as believers, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Now for some people, this is the hardest command to obey. Because you know, it's not enough for us to tell ourselves, quit worrying. Because you know what happens, we start to worry about worrying. So we worry the fact that we're a worrier. We get anxious about the fact that we're anxious and we don't help ourselves by telling ourselves, you've just got to stop worrying. Because it doesn't solve anything. So while this is a command, just saying to ourselves, okay, God commands us not to worry, therefore I'm not going to worry, is not going to solve anything. Wesby said this, he said, worry is an inside job. And it takes more than a good intentions to get the victory. It's an inside job. And it takes more than good intentions to get the victory. You and I can intend not to worry, but by the end of the day we find ourselves still worrying. And the solution to not worrying is a surrendered and secure mind. That's what verse 7 says. It says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God shall keep. The word keep there is to garrison, is to guard like a soldier. The peace of God shall guard, garrison your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now we're going to consider that next week when we look at the provision of peace. But when you and I have a secure mind, when you and I have a surrendered mind to the Lord, the peace of God guards our hearts. And the God of peace guides us. When you and I surrender to the Lord, when you and I trust Him in the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of all the adversity and all the troubles and all the anxiety, when you and I trust Him, the Lord promises to keep our hearts in perfect peace. Look in Isaiah chapter 26, please. Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26 and verse... Six. And that's the wrong verse. <laughs> Sorry? Ah, oh, yes, verse 3. Sorry. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For, the Lord, for, in, for in the Lord, Jehovah, is everlasting strength. The songwriter put it, you know, that we need to be stayed upon Jehovah and keep our hearts in perfect peace. And here's the verse that that song is written from. The Lord has promised perfect peace to those whose mind is stayed upon Him, stayed upon the Lord. When we trust Him, 
when we're committed to him, when we surrender to him, he has promised that what he will do, he will keep our hearts in perfect peace. There is no doubt that anxiety and worry are the killjoy of peace. Worry and anxiety rob us of peace. When we worry about things, what happens is they just seem to grow larger. Somebody has said, worry is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. Worry is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. You know, we're worried about what will happen tomorrow. We're worried about what will happen next week. We're worried about what's going to happen at the end of this year. We're worrying about the future. And worry is simply the interest we're paying on those future events because we can do nothing about it. We can't change the future. We can't alter the future. We can't make the future any different than it is. You and I can only live today. But when you and I worry about what's going to happen, we worry about the future, when we allow that to cause anxiety in our hearts, then you and I are simply robbing ourselves of joy, the joy God wants us to have today. He wants us to rejoice in the Lord today. Now there is a difference between genuine care and false anxiety. You and I can care about things, and we ought to care about things. You and I ought to have some concerns about the future. We ought to have some care about where we're heading. We ought to care about our lives. We ought to care about our futures. But there's a big difference between care and anxiety. George Mueller wrote this. He said, to care is a virtue, but to foster cares is sin. For each anxiety is not trusting God, but a trusting in oneself which comes to inward suffering, fears, and worry. Anxiety is not trusting God, it's trusting ourselves. To put it another way, worry is assuming responsibility that God never intended you and I to have. God never intended you and I to worry about the future. He never intended you and I to be anxious about the future. That was never God's intention for us. That's not God's will for us. When you and I worry, when you and I are anxious about the future, then you and I are playing God. We're trying to control the uncontrollable. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? We're not to worry. That's God's responsibility. That's God's problem. It's not ours. When we allow anxiety, when we allow worry to rest in our hearts, we're assuming the role of God instead of trusting him for the things that worry us. When we're worrying, we're not allowing the Lord to keep our hearts in peace. It's been said that undue care is an intrusion into an arena that belongs to God alone. 
He makes us the father of the household instead of being the child. See, he's the father. He's the one that has to take care of the future. He's the one that's in charge. He's the one, if you like, for a phrase, he's the one that needs to worry about what the future looks like. He's the father. We're the children. We simply just have to trust him. But so often we try to be the father. We try to be in charge. It's like the child's in the back of the car. You know, dad's driving and the child is worried that they're going to get to where they're going and not sure how they're going to get there and not sure if dad knows where he's taking them and not trusting dad or mum for that matter in the car where the parent, not trusting them as to what, that they know what they're doing, they know where they're going, they know how to get there and the child is stressed out in the back of the car totally and utterly freaked out because they can't depend upon dad or mum. And that's what we're like as believers often. He's the father. He's the one who knows the future. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the omnipotent, omniscient God. And yet what we do is we say, God, I don't trust you. I don't think you know what you're doing. I don't think you've got this under control. I need to help you, and I'm going to help you by worrying. It won't change anything, but at least it makes me feel like I'm achieving something. I'm going to worry about it. I'm going to get anxious about it. I'm going to stress over it because I can't change it, and God, I can't trust you to deal with it. You start acting like the father rather than submitting like the child. The truth is that anxiety and worry are self-destructive. Christ said, don't worry about it things that cannot be changed. Look in Matthew 6 again, and verse 27. It says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? We're not worried about the things we can't change. Those of us who are short are never going to be tall. Those who are tall are never going to be short. Those of us who are fat probably not going to be very thin. Some people who are very thin will never, ever be able to get fat. Oh, wouldn't that be a problem to have? Um, But, you know, you can't change those things. You can look in the mirror all day long and wish you looked different, but it's not going to change anything. Well, it might do. Add a few lines to your face, those worry lines, because you spent the whole time worrying about the way you look. But you can't change it. Nor are we to worry about the problems of tomorrow. Look in verse 34 of this same chapter, Matthew 6. Take therefore no thought for the morrow... For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself, sufficient unto the days the evil thereof. We've got enough to concern us today. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. God's in charge. Just deal with today. You know, some people are born warriors. They can find a problem in every solution. So they become burdened by those things that need to be left to God. We need like a, an 84-year-old grandmother I read about this week. This 84-year-old grandmother was fiercely maintained her independence. And she lived alone in an old family home. Her four, chil- four children lived in the same town, but she rarely called on them except in an emergency. It was with some apprehension, therefore, that uh, one of the sons drove to her house one morning to answer her phone call. When he arrived, she said she suspected there was a burglar in her bedroom closet since she had heard noises in there the night before. 
The son said, why didn't you call me last night? She exclaimed, well, it was late. I hated to bother you. So I just nailed the wardrobe door shut and went to bed. Well, that's the kind of attitude that you and I need to have when we're faced with the impossible. We need to nail the door of fear shut, beloved, and go to bed in the assurance that God's in control. You see, God's not lost control. This world may seem like it's spiraling out of control. You and I may seem like we're losing it all. And during this COVID pandemic, it seems like we're losing a lot of things. But it's not us to worry about. We can't change it by worrying. We can't change it by anxiety. It's his to worry about, so to speak. He's the God who holds the future. The songwriter put it that way, didn't he? I, I, don't, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, and I know he holds my hand. We need to leave, if you like, the worrying to God. I had a friend who used to say that uh, when he went to bed, there was no point, he used to say to the Lord, there's no point both of us worrying about it, so I'll go to sleep and leave the Lord to take care of the problem. And that's the truth. There's no point both of us worrying about it. In fact, you and I can do nothing about it. We can't change it. We simply need to trust the Lord. The first prerequisite to peace is don't worry about anything. But the second prerequisite for peace is that we pray about everything. Look in verse 6 again. Be careful of nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now when you notice here, it says that we're to pray about everything. Pray in everything. Not some things, but everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In every circumstance, every circumstance that causes you and I to worry, every circumstance that causes you and I to be anxious, we are to pray. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And the reason why you and I are to pray about everything is because the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-planning, all-governing, all-powerful God knows our need. You and I are to replace worry with prayer. Because prayer is superior, stronger, and much more productive than worry is. And we're reminded here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 that everything is the proper subject of prayer. Be careful of nothing, but in everything by prayer. Everything is a proper subject of prayer. Doesn't matter what the subject is, doesn't matter how big the subject, how small the subject, doesn't matter how big the anxiety, how small the anxiety, doesn't matter at all, whatever it is, everything is a proper subject for prayer. God wants you and I to talk to him about everything. Even the small things. 
before they become big things, we're to talk to him about them. Paul uses three different words here to talk about the right kind of prayer that you and I are to pray. He says here that we are to pray, uh, sorry, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So if you and I are going to make our requests known unto God, we've got to do it in this way, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Now the word prayer here is the general word for, for praying. And it simply means making requests to God. But it carries the idea of adoration, devotion, and worship. When you and I put our requests before the Lord, you and I are to come before him recognizing who he is. Whenever we find ourselves worrying, whenever we find ourselves anxious, we need to see the greatness and the majesty of God. What's been addressed here is this, when you and I pray about everything, when you and I make our requests known unto God, you and I are to make those requests and the full knowledge about who we're praying to. Here is the worry, here is the anxiety, here is the situation that's causing you and I to worry or be anxious, and we look at our God, and we look at the worry in relationship to God, and the greatness of God simply outshadows the need. It's not like David when he went up before Goliath, remember? Goliath was strapping tall, great warrior. David was a shepherd boy. They stood in that valley together, and David didn't look at Goliath. He looked at his God. And no matter that Goliath was, you know, nine foot nine feet tall, and David was looking up at this tall man with broad shoulders with a, a beam from the, the bed chamber as a part of his spear, he's looking up at him, but he doesn't look at Goliath. He looks at his God and says, well, you look pretty small, Goliath compared to my God. And that's why he could say, who defies the, the armies of the living God? This day, my God is going to deal with you. And what we've been told here is we are to pray about everything and make our request known unto God. When you and I are anxious or worried, we look at what we are worried about, what causes anxiety, but then we're supposed to look at our God instead and say, Lord, I see you, You're, I adore you, you are the powerful, powerful God. And as I see the greatness of God, that which causes me to worry simply starts to fade. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's not just a song, it's a truth, a doctrinal truth that we've been challenged to do here that when we are careful for nothing, it will happen because you and I are praying about everything and it happens when you and I look to our God and we see that he's big enough to resolve and solve any problem. Then he says we're to make our request known to God with prayer and supplication. The word supplication here simply means an earnest sharing of our needs and problems. This is where we spell out particularly, exactly to God what the problem is. Not just that I am anxious, Lord. Not just that I am worried, Lord. But what it is that worries us. What it is that's causing us anxiety. 
In fact, the word supplication refers to a desperate cry for help arising from a need. You and I find ourselves in the quagmire of worry. We find that we're sinking in the quicksand of anxiety and as we are going down, we're crying to God for help. That's supplication. Lord, I need your help. The all-powerful, the omnipotent God, I need your help. And then the next aspect of prayer is giving thanks. You know, the Lord loves to hear his children thank him. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your quest be known unto God. We're to thank God. But the implication here is we thank him before the answer comes. We're thanking him. We've, we've seen the need. We've seen the greatness of our God. We've poured out our heart before him and told him what it is that's causing us worry. And then we thank him for the solution that God is about to bring, even though we don't know what that solution is. God wants to hear you and I say thank you. But how often do we take the time to thank him for the answers to prayer, to thank him for the victories, to thank him for the way he brought us through the other side? We ought to. By using these words, these words of a prayer that we are to pray with supplication and thanksgiving, making our request known unto God, by using these words, Paul is saying, simply don't panic. Pray about it. Don't worry, don't be anxious. Take all of your troubles to the Lord in prayer and leave them there. There's no point both of us worrying about it. See, what some of us do is we, we see the need, that we are anxious, we're worried about something, we plead unto God to help us through the other side, and we say, Lord, I, I trust you, but just in case you can't handle it, I'll take the load as well, and together we'll worry about this. Well, that's a bit strange, isn't it? What is the point of that? If God's able, and he is, if God's all-powerful, and he is, if God can do anything, and he can, and if it's true that all things do eventually work together for good to them that love God with those that call his purpose, and they do, and when we're told in Matthew we're not to worry about, take, we're not to take any thought about those things because they will take care of themselves, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then what we should do is we should take our troubles to the Lord and leave them there. Just let God take care of it. Because there is no point both of us worrying about it. Because nothing's changed. If we could do nothing about it before we pray, we certainly can't do anything about it after we pray. Wisby said this, he said, if those people who say, I don't have time to pray would spend their time praying instead of worrying, they'd have a whole lot less to worry about. You know, it's unambiguous. It's an unambiguous truth that there is power in prayer. And I doubt there's anybody here today who doesn't believe that. 
And I doubt there's anybody here today who doesn't believe that God is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, that God is who he is. But how often do we actually practice what we believe? Do we believe that God is in charge? God knows the beginning from the end. And what is in front of us, God has already been there. He already knows what it looks like. God knows exactly where this world is heading. He knows exactly what's unfolding. He knows exactly what governments are going to do. He knows exactly how this world is going to live. He knows exactly when Christ is returning in the rapture. He knows exactly when the tribulation is going to start. He knows exactly what's happening. God knows it all. He hasn't lost control. He hasn't forgotten about you and I. Why worry? Why worry? Now, if you spend your time on the internet, you spend your time reading everything you like about COVID and reading about all the conspiracy theories, and you start reading about all the things, you'll go out of your mind. Because it's out there. Everybody's worried. And everybody's got their theory. And everyone's got their solution. And everybody wants this. And everybody wants that. And everybody looks at everything in the world as a great big problem. And it is. But my God is bigger. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be stressful. I don't have to be anxious. I just simply need to trust him. He knows what he's doing. I'm just going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do as a believer, as a pastor. I'll do what God wants me to do in the midst of all the turmoil. I'll let God take care of the turmoil. I'll do what I can do, my part, which is simply surrendering unto him and serving him to the best of my ability. And I'll let God take care of the big things, the problems. Because there is no point worrying. Instead of worrying, instead of being anxious... We need to cast our care upon him. As 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's why we're challenged here to pray about everything. Instead of worrying. The little song said, you know, Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, he will be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas, lean fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? You know, the wonderful thing about prayer is that it is a safety valve that releases the pressure of worry. We're to pray about everything because God can handle anything we give him. You know, you're never going to go to God with your worry. And God says, well, too busy. I can't deal with that right now. We're never going to the Lord with a worry. The Lord says, look, that one's yours. I, 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 too small for me. Not my problem. You deal with it. There is no problem too small or problem too large that God's not concerned about and that God will not deal with. I'm going to pray about everything. One preacher said, There is no problem that is too big for God's power or too small for God's concern. And the first step to victory over anxiety, the first step to victory over worry, is talking to God about everything that concerns us. Now that doesn't mean that prayer ends all the strife. It doesn't mean that prayer ends all the trouble. 
in the Christian life, it doesn't mean that when you and I pray that life will be plain sailing, there'll be no troubles, there'll be no troubled seas, there'll be no storms to encounter, there'll be no enemies to face. It doesn't mean that. It simply means that you and I won't worry about it. It does mean that during the raging storms of life, the Lord will guide our hearts and our minds so that our anxious worry and care is taken care of and perfect peace is found in our hearts. He will keep our hearts in peace. When we commit everything to God in prayer, we allow God to keep our hearts in peace. The stress and pressure of life can so often make you and I lose sight of our God. We find ourselves looking at life, looking at the stresses, looking at the problems, and we lose sight of our God. Prayer helps you and I remember the greatness of our God. It helps you and I remember that he cares for you and I. It helps you and I remember that he wants to relieve the stress and the anxiety. We're to be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, we're to make our request known unto God. That is God's prerequisite for peace. When you and I worry, we're trying to live tomorrow before it arrives. A gentleman by the name of Gordon MacDonald said this. He said, no man ever sank under the burden of the day. It's when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear. Listen, we have enough to keep us occupied today. We really don't need to worry about tomorrow. That's God's problem. As is to serve him faithfully today. As is to surrender our hearts to him today, our minds to him today. And when our mind is stayed upon Jehovah, he gives unto us perfect peace. We ought to be like the Lord. You know the Lord in the midst of the storm, remember this? The disciples in the boat with him? And the storm is raging and the fishermen are scared. They're thinking they're going to perish. And there's, there's the Lord. He's at the front of the ship. He's fast asleep. And the disciples say, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? Well, he knows they're not going to perish. That's why he's sleeping. He's got no worries. Because he knows what the future holds. We need to be like the Lord. We need to lie down in the boat in the midst of the storm. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to do what I can do, which is simply trust you and serve you. I'll let you take care of the rest. Because there's no point both of us worrying about it. God's prerequisite for peace is that we are to worry about nothing but instead we're to pray about everything. Next week we'll look at verse 7 and we'll have a look at how the apostle goes on to explain to us the provision of peace. What God's provided so that we might have peace. But this week... You and I will all probably face some 
form of adversity, you and I will face some form of difficulty. And the challenge to each and every one of us is not to react to the problem by worrying, but to react by praying. And when we pray, we need to take some time to remember who it is we're praying to. To remember the greatness of our God. To remember just who it is that we're talking to when we pray. So that we realize that no problem you and I face is too big for God to deal with. So that you and I will then hand over this problem for God to bring the solution. And when we do, he will keep our hearts in peace. Remember this. God's prerequisite for peace is don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Because God will keep our hearts in peace if we will let him. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for this wonderful challenge, this wonderful truth that we're to be anxious about nothing, we're to be careful with nothing, we're not to worry about things. But what we're supposed to do in the midst of all the turmoil of life, we're to pray about everything. And when we do, you've promised that you'll keep our hearts in peace as we pray about everything. Well, thank you for your word. I thank you for the blessing it was to my heart this week. I trust, Father God, who you're blessing to each and every heart. And you're blessed now as we close in Jesus' name.